Hey, this is Vanessa Corwin. I'm the Prevention Services Coordinator at King County Sexual Assault Resource Center, or KSARC. This is Building Resilience, a podcast with the purpose of equipping people with what they need to end sexual violence. This episode is an overview of a communication tool called Plain Talk. Plain Talk is like a toolkit for healthy communication with teens and honestly anyone in your life. There's a couple of times that we mentioned something called Pride Skills, which we covered in a previous episode. Um, So if you're looking for something geared more towards younger kiddos, I'd recommend going back and checking that out. Whereas today we'll be focusing more on talking to teens and adults in general. So I am not a parent, but I am no stranger to the stereotypes of what it's like to parent a teenager. Our society tells us that teens are moody, irrational, and want nothing to do with their family. Of course, like any other stereotypes, these are hugely oversimplified and tend to be negative. Our teenage years are full of developmental changes, and being a teen can be hard. I know that I was definitely not the easiest teen to parent, so having this conversation with my family services colleagues really gave me a lot to think about. So even if you're not a parent or a caregiver for a young person, I'd recommend listening to get some really helpful tips about how communication can just strengthen all of our relationships. Hi, I'm Deanne Yamamoto, Deputy Executive Director, and I want to share with you that I have two grown kids, age 26 and 28. Is that right? I think they are. I have two girls, ages 26 and 28. Hi, I'm Erin Esteban. Um, I am Bilingual Family Services Specialist at KSARC, and I also have... um, three grown children, one of whom's a niece, um, in their early twenties. And, um, and then I have three younger kids who are actually almost all teenagers, 12, 13, and 14. Hi, I'm Karen Cope and I work, I'm the family service specialist at Case Sark and I have a 12 year old son. And I'm Marie Pareda, and a family services specialist at KSR2. And then I have a 26-year-old son who will be 27 this week, and a 18-year-old son who's a senior, and a 13-year-old son as well, and two dogs. Um, My name is Vanessa Corwin. I'm the Prevention Services Coordinator at KSARC. Um, I don't have any kids, but I have a six-year-old dog, um, and I work with a lot of kids in my job just working on prevention education. You have a lot of kids, Vanessa. (laughs) (laughs) Today, we want to talk about another communication skill called Plain Talk. So we'll talk about that and explain what it is. Of course, it's an acronym, PLAIN, P-L-A-I-N. Each of those words stands for a communication strategy. But you know what? I want to start in a different place. I want to start getting stories from you parents about some of the difficulties that you've had. Let's just pop them out there. Let's be a little transparent so that folks know that we're real people doing this parenting thing and that we want to support one another, but also give you some great strategies that we've learned along the ways. So give us some examples of some problems that have come up. My kid's slamming the door on me. What? (laughs) Not you. (laughs) Never done that before, but that was a big surprise for me. (laughs) 
I know. He's too sweet. I don't think you're telling the truth on that. <laughs> My husband and I were just talking the other night um, because our kids are now, you know, 12, 13, and 14, almost all teenagers. Um, and we try to have a little bit of family time every night, right? Um, you know, always have. And and now it's like it's getting more and more kind of difficult to pull them away from their friends, especially because the only time they can see their friends is, you know, like over uh, over their phones or online FaceTiming um, right now with the pandemic going on. Um, and so my husband was just commenting like, do you remember when they were little and like they would just be so excited when we'd be like, okay, kids, it's family movie time. Like, come watch a movie together. And they'd just run to the living room and be ready to just sit together and watch a movie. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but they were little back then. And now they're, you know, they they care a lot about their friendships, you know. And so it's we as parents have just had to start working even harder to keep engaging with them and keep finding, like, ways to make family time still fun so we can still have time with them (laughs) for sure those were the days huh (laughs) they just craved being together and doing that fun family and now once we get together like they have fun and you know and we have fun time together but it's like that transition you know they 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 have to make a choice to like say goodbye to their friends you know first so they can have a half an hour, an hour of family time, you know, it's like, oh. I, whenever I think, I just think about just recently, I think it was the other day. Um, so my son just turned 13 last year. And so the other day he, we were arguing about, we're doing this 30 day challenge and he's our coach for me and my husband. And, um, and it was about how to do plie squats. And he just got so emotional and just started, started contradicting everything. And then afterwards, you know, I just looked at him, let it go. And he was like, being a teenager sucks, mommy. All these, you know, and he was like, I don't know why I just couldn't get, I couldn't get past this. But it took, it took a lot for me and my husband to not, respond to that right respond to his um just how he was talking to us just to do the correct plie squat you know he had his mindset on that um but just those big emotional roller coasters and it's it's you know plain talk has helped me um interact with him when it and just reminding myself of what he's going through as a 13 year old but it's curious. It's interesting because he said, "I can't wait till I'm 30." Because obviously, at 27, your emotion is still going up and down. So it's interesting. He said 30. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. They, he has a destination in mind when all things will be perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but until then, we can talk about plain talk, right? Let's use plain talk. We come up with plain talk, you know, as a way of expanding upon the pride skills. Um, You know, the pride skills is something we talked about in another podcast, you know, to kind of encourage, you know, our positive relationship with our younger children. Um, 
And as our kids grow into, you know, tweens, preteens, teenagers, young adults, adults, um, there are different ways that we really, um, you know, develop our relationships with them. And we've found that that the key to that is really through positive communication. Um, and through positive communication, we really develop these really positive parent-teen um, relationships. Um, so... Uh, we're going to start off with the, the first letter in Plain Talk is the P. Um, Karen, do you want to um, tell us what the P stands for? Mm-hmm. All right. So P stands for praise. Um, and I, I do love praise because praise does really focus on that positivity. Um, and you, you want to tell something positive to your teenager or preteen. Um and it's not just like good job for cleaning the dishes, although that might be good to it'd be more like thank you for, for helping me out today would be a good example of that. Um, and even like, I really enjoy your company. I enjoyed going to the movies with you today. Um, is is such a is another form of form of praise. And if you think about your your preteen or your teen in that moment of just positivity, think about 10, if you can just think about giving 10 praises in some way, something positive to your preteen or teen and what that would do, what that would do for them, their self-esteem. They would actually be, enjoy being around you because they want to hear good things. And plus, part of that reasoning for that is that their behavior, you're going to see increased positive behavior. If you give something positive, you're going to get something back and um, something positive back. And it's building on that warmth of the, your relationship, which, which again, that's something that you want because it's about keep building. And the, the, the stronger your relationship is with your preteen and teen, the easier it will become when they have to hit, when they hit brick walls in their, in their, um, in their life, I guess, because they know that they can come back to you. They feel loved. They've got good self-esteem. They know that you're going to be positive around them. And, and that's a parent, that's the kind of parent you want to be. You want to be that positive parent for them. So praise is wonderful. (laughs) I think that's a fun challenge to set yourself up in the day that I'm going to give 10 praises to each of these different people in my family. What a fun thing, because I think it sets your mood up to look for the good as well. It really shifts our focus um, because a lot of times, you know, in the busyness of our days, the things that attract our attention tend to be the negative things. And so we don't even realize all the good things that are happening. Um, just yesterday, um, you know, I'm struggling like many, many parents during this time of having their kids being in online school um, and the joys that that brings along. <laughs> um, and and I found myself um, having a moment where I realized I need to really shut my mouth and not call out every time I see them like not paying attention in their class, you know, yeah. like because 
two of my kids were at the t- table, right? Both with their iPads out, watching their classes, but they kept talking to each other, right? They kept bantering back and forth, talking about the expressions on their teachers' faces and, <laughs> you know, just just kind of having fun with it, right? And not really paying attention to what was being said in the classes. Um, and, you know, and I was, I was just thinking to myself, gosh, if I call them out for, you know, this kind of negative behavior that they're doing, it just kind of creates this negativity in our relationship, right? And so I was like, no, I'm going to stand here around the corner from them in the kitchen listening until I hear them in silence and actually looking at their and can see that they're looking at their screens and paying attention. And then I'm going to go tell them. And I did. I went, I walked over. I said, well, I really love seeing, you know, when you guys are really paying attention to your classes. And then I just walked away, you know, and, and, you know, maybe, you know, it's just a tiny little drop in a bucket, but, you know, every little bit helps, you know, and, and they, they received the message of, you know, what I wanted, you know, from them. Um, and, and, you know, it was a more positive experience than me nagging at them. Hey, you guys be quiet, you know, knock it off. Don't, you know, don't talk while your teacher's talking. And I think it's also important that too, because other, you know, their friends, their kids, they, they're so used to sometimes also hearing negative stuff. So if we're constantly praising, so they get negative feedback from not only from other people around them, right? And so if we could just keep praising them, even just taking notice of anything that they're doing and um, just finding any little thing. And it's amazing what happens where if you take notice of the good things and the behaviors that you want them, how that increases, right? Uh, wow, you took your dishes down from your bedroom. And you, now it comes, whatever they took upstairs when they're doing their homework at night, they come down first thing in the morning when they're grabbing their coffee or grabbing their milk or yeah. their breakfast. Yeah. Um, but it just becomes an um, uh uh, a behavior or something because they know that they, they've been getting those praises. And be mindful of, because you gave a good example too, because we sometimes give praise in a backhanded sort of way. You know, thanks for bringing those dishes down. They've been in your room forever. It's about time. <laughs> you know, that's how that could go. Um, mm-hmm. But you left it as, wow, thanks for bringing those dishes down. And I, 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 th- I just think we have to be mindful of those kinds of things where we kind of add on something. So praise is so important that we keep it pure, praise, recognize specific things that they're doing. Yeah, and, and you know, another thing about praise is, you know, there's a lot of expectations that we have for our kids, right, and our teens. Um, and so I think sometimes, you know, when they actually do something that they're expected to do, to do anyways, we don't naturally think, oh, I should praise them for it because, you know, we're thinking, well, they were supposed to do it anyways. It's, you know, it's their own personal responsibility. You know, they have to take out the trash every other day or they have to, you know, do their homework. You know, it's it's their responsibility. Um, but really, you know, we should be calling out those things. We should be saying, hey, you did a great job finishing your homework, you know, in a, in a good amount of time, you know, so that you actually can relax this evening, you know. Um, you know, or, Hey, thanks for taking out the trash. Um, because, you know, even though there are things that are already expected, you know, it, it just lets them know that we're actually paying attention. You know, we actually saw them do it and and are thankful. 
And you know the coolest thing about it? Because I told you guys earlier that I have adult children, 26 and 28, but I hear them praising their friends, praising their partners, praising the dog. My daughter just got a Great Dane and she's praising the dog. You know, they they really do emulate the communication style that you've helped them to grow up with. So it's so fun to hear them repeat it out in their world because I just think um, it's such a positive way of interacting. I like that, Deanne. Um, my my son, my 13-year-old son and my 18-year-old son in their soccer, they are always commented by their coaches. They are the most positive teammates um, that in, in their team um, where other teammates are criticizing their teammates. Um, my two sons are more of the positive. Um, they'll spin what happened that was negative into something positive. Right. And so the coaches just love them. And you're right. It just it just passes on and they do it because it's something that they're they're used to. Right. Instead of focusing on that negative. So true. You know, I think um, in terms of culture, we all come from different cultures. And I've had parents tell me, you know, it's not in our culture. We don't do that. We don't like pour on all this praise. What do you have to say about that? Because I think that's an important piece to recognize culture. But the reality is that this is counter to many of our cultures, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't make that shift because of the positive outcome that happens. You know, it's it's interesting you say that, Deanne. Um, not too long ago, um, we, my family, we were talking, and my best friend were talking about parents. And, um, you know, I'm Filipino. And the one thing about my mom, when um, I hold myself as a parent up to my parents, I put them up on a pedestal. Because the one thing when you talk about culture, I'm like, my parents, all they ever did was praise um, with me, right? All they ever did was praise. I don't, I cannot recall a time when, um, uh, they would give me advice, but th- they would spin it in a way, or if I did something wrong, if I didn't do good, have a good grade, they will find other ways to praise. And they would ha- ask me like, how, look at, you know, they'll have me look at my grades and they'll have me look at whatever I did, but they just focused on all the good things that I was doing, um, whether it's in the community, at the church, um, I don't know. Sorry, Deanne, is that what you're talking about? I keep thinking about my parents and, and I think about also my cousins. I don't know, Deanne, I'm thinking about my family comes from a very positive family. You know, my cousins, my aunts, my uncles. No, I think that's so, I, I, I think that's great. Cause look what it, look at you now sort of repeating that. I love that you hold your parents on a pedestal. They've done a great job with you. And, and so we were talking about it, even with my husband and my husband was, I'm so glad he goes, that's why we make a good team. Cause he was not raised like that. He was raised with, um, correction. Um, every negative thing. Why did you do this? Why did you do that? How come? So complete opposite spectrum. And so this plane talk, I had to teach him because he was not used to that. He was always used to focusing on, um, uh, he was raised focusing on all the, the negative things that they were doing, all the behaviors. 
Um, so he's learning and he's learned, you know, our oldest is going to be 27. So it's amazing to see how different, um, uh, how different he's raising our children based upon communication and how powerful praise is and what a difference it makes um, in our children as they're growing up. And I've talked with a lot of parents who are really uncomfortable praising, you know, anybody um, because they've never really experienced being praised Mm -hmm. themselves, you know, growing up. Um, And that is a big shift. Um, And, you know, the interesting thing is, is that, you know, once, um, once the parent kind of starts to, to try it out, you know, and, and experiment with it, um, they always come back to me the next week saying, oh my goodness, it worked. Like it actually works, you know? And, and they're so surprised, you know, really, because, because they've never had that experience, you know? And, and once they start to kind of piece it together and think about it, they're like, but it makes so much sense. You know, I mean, if we think about our experiences as adults, like in any kind of employment setting, right? If we have a boss who's constantly nagging at us and saying, well, why didn't you do that? You know, I I wanted to do it a little bit differently. Or how come you're, you know, one minute, you know, behind schedule? Or how come, you know, like pointing out all the negative little things that we might be doing and never praising us for the good work that we're doing, we're going to feel really burnt out really fast, right? And we're not going to feel enjoyment, you know, and not want to, you know, continue proceeding. But when we have, you know, an employment atmosphere, a boss or somebody who's, you know, calling out the good stuff that we're doing, you know, it it boosts us up. It makes us feel, you know, proud or that, you know, yeah, I can do this. You know, I'm good at this, you know, and and it makes us want to do even better. And so that's the experience that our teens and our kids have, you know, is, 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 you know, feeling good about themselves really because they're hearing it from this person that they look up to, right? That maybe on, hopefully someday they'll put us up on a pedestal, you know, um, like you with your parents, Marie, but, you know, it's, it really is a shift in our thinking, you know, that it's, it's not about correcting everything, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's really is um, positive reinforcement. So the L in, in plain talk um, is, is listen and listen sounds like something really simple. Um, but in reality, um, it's, it's more than just hearing uh, what your teen may be talking about. Um, it's really an, an active form of listening where we're conscientiously making sure that we're not interrupting um, at first, you know, that we're really taking the time to allow, you know, our child or our teen to talk. Um, and then once they've had a chance to say what they're going to say, that we can kind of comment back um, using their words, kind of summarizing, oh, so you're telling me that, you know, that you had a really rough day at school today, um, you know, whatever it might be. Um, it's also, you know, the idea of, of kind of monitoring our own self, um, having some mindfulness in that moment, you know, so that we're not rushing to solve the problem because then we'd be interrupting them. Um, and, and when we are able to achieve, you know, really listening to our teens, um, this is really the skill that, that gets them to want to talk to us more because 
when people really, when you talk to somebody and you really feel like they really are hearing you and they really care about what you're talking about, then you want to talk more. You like it. it. It feels good, you know, to have somebody really hearing you. Um, it also, it also helps our teens, you know, they're like little mini adults, right? They're miniature adults. They're, you know, they're trying to practice on how to become, um, you know, a functioning adult in our society. And so, you know, by allowing them to have a little more control in these conversations that we're having with them, by not interrupting them at first, not jumping to conclusions, um, it allows them to have some control um, and and that practice. Um, it also, you know, demonstrates kind of this acceptance, you know, that we have um, and, and that we have a desire to understand where they're coming from, you know, that we're not... Um, because a lot of times as kind of concerned parents, that leads us to jump to a lot of conclusions uh, that maybe are not always accurate. Uh, so if when we actually listen first and allow our kids time to explain and give their point of view and their thoughts and feelings about a subject, um, it helps them to see that we're really taking the time to try to understand their situation and their life and their point of view. Um, it, you know, Ultimately, the skill of listening develops the trust that we have uh, with our with our teen um, because, you know, in essence, we're having a little chunk of time with them where we're we're withholding judgment. You know, it's all the rest of the time. Yeah, okay, it's our our time to be judging and try to you know make sure that they're on the right course. Um, but when we're having you know really good conversations with our teens, you know, we need to to give them a chance. You know, to be able to be who they are. Um, and communicate with us without feeling judged right off the bat. I think with listening as well, <clears throat> is you have to be present and not multitasking. I think that's there's a space up for that as well. So when we are listening, it's taking time, putting our phones down, um, put the telly off, whatever it, whatever that may be, and just be really present. I think it's going to help your teenager know that you are there for them and that you can hear them. And there's something that's really beautiful as well. I, I love this. Um, it's listening to the silence because there is some, there's something real about that as well. And I think that that can, that's, you know, we don't have to um, fill those gaps as well when there are silences. It's listening to that silence. I'm just thinking about um, whenever I think of listening, I always think about my 18-year-old when he's, there was this one time in, he was a freshman or a sophomore, um, and he texts me in the middle of his class and says, you need to take me out of the Spanish class. Um, he goes, he was saying, mom, I can't stand her. Mom, I can't stand her. Um you need to get me out. She's so mean. You know, she's not teaching. I'm not learning. It's supposed to be a Spanish too. And so, of course, he's venting. So I'm drafting this email, right? I'm like, okay, he wants me to get him out of class. Um, so later on that night after practice, and we just happened to be talking with his other teammates who are going to the same school. Um, and he says, he goes, what? Did you send that email out? And I'm like, 
no, not yet. I wanted you to look at it before I got you out of that class. And he's like, mom, sometimes when I come to you, I just want you to listen because I don't want you to solve my problems. I, you know, I don't want, you know, I, I will tell you if I want you to really solve my problems, but when I'm telling you these things, he goes, just pay attention. Just listen. Talk to me about it. And that humbled me um, because I, that made me like, okay, you know. But I love it that he was able to say, I just sometimes I just need to, to vent, to talk, you know, um, process things out with you before I make a decision. And I, it just made me realize I sometimes I just need to take a step back and just listen. You know. Oh, I fall into that trap all the time, Marie, because you, <laughs> I think just with the kids, though, because mm-hmm. you want to fix it, you want to make their owie better, right? So mm-hmm. our, our inclination is make it better and do it fast. And so we might take action a little more quickly than we need to, if all they need is to be listened and loved in that moment. Mm-hmm. And just, and I love it, Karen, that you talked about being present, right? Just sitting with them in that. Um, is so key. By responding back to them, you know, with kind of using their words and kind of, you know, summarizing, um, you know, what we're hearing them say, it's a great opportunity, you know, to not only to let them know that we're actually hearing them, you know, because sometimes, you know, they might be talking to us and we're going, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. And in their minds, they might be thinking, ah, they're not really listening. Like mom's washing the dishes right now while I'm talking to her and probably she doesn't really care about what I'm saying, you know, because they're, you know, they're kind of feeling doubtful or something of themselves. But when we, when we respond back to them, they know that we actually heard them and it's a great opportunity to, for clarity, you know, for them to hear us say what they just said essentially. So they can kind of, you know, hear, oh yeah, that is what I'm saying, you know, or no, that's, you know, that's not at all what I'm saying. That's not what I meant, you know, and and maybe they're trying to communicate something a little bit different, um, you know, but because of our point of view, we're hearing, you know, something else. So it, it creates a better opportunity to avoid miscommunication, really, uh, when we give them the space and then, and then really repeat back. I think something that you just said there, Erin, like if we have a different point of view from from our child, from our teenager, and we want them to have a voice and we want to listen to them, if that point of view is different and it, and it evokes different emotions within us, we have to be aware of that and try to hold on to it and keep it beside us um, so that we can keep that communication open and that they know that we're really listening to them without that judgment. Because I think that's where the judgment comes in. If we were to think, oh, I don't agree with you, that's wrong, no, do, 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 do. Then, then, then that, that can just kind of pull that teenager back and you're not listening to, to what my opinion is or what I'm saying. And so I think that's where that, our own, we have to be aware of our own emotions and what we're hearing. Very good. Let's talk about the A. Marie, what does A stand for? A in plain talk stands for attitude, right? Um, and attitude is, it's like ignoring that bad be, that bad attitude, ignoring that rolling of the eyes, the huffing, um, um, what, 
walking away. Um, attitudes, those are examples of some bad attitudes that sometimes our teens may have, sometimes our kids may have, right? Um, and, you know, a bad attitude is often, it's like a teen's undeveloped way of dealing with or showing you that he's disappointed about something or that he's frustrated or overwhelmed or anxious about something, right? And so we tend to focus on that bad attitude that they're displaying. Um, the one thing, though, about these, but this bad attitude, it's if we could just pretend we didn't hear it, pretend we didn't see it, and it will lose its impact. Um, you know, um, when we think about um, behaviors and attitudes, the more attention we pay, um, we give to that bad attitude, the more likely it'll increase because you're giving him that attention, whether it's negative, whether it's bad, whether it's you, you know, scolding and why are you rolling your eyes? You know, don't roll your eyes. Don't talk back, right? If we could just um, ignore that bad attitude, but pay attention to um, what is underneath that or what is what is that attitude a sign of, you know, what is going on with them emotionally? Um, I also wanted to um, um, also sometimes attitudes because I don't know if this, if you've experienced this, but are there some days where you have an attitude, you know, they display an attitude and some days you just let it roll off your shoulder, right? And just let it go. And then there are days that uh, you point out that attitude or that behavior that they have, that rolling the eyes. And so I wanted to point out something, you know, it's like, a where are you at that we call it that? I call it that um, um, emotion meter, right? Because sometimes we have to be mindful and pay attention to where are we at for that day or when they're doing that attitude or when they're doing that behavior. You're right, Marie. Um, you know, when we when we have to respond in some way or not re- choose to not respond uh, to our teens, you know, kind of emotional outbursts or the attitude that they're showing us, um, you know, I find that it has a lot to do with where, where we're at with our own emotions in that moment. You know, um, the other day, you know, I was having a particularly stressful day, already was kind of on edge. And then, you know, I had already asked my son to help me, um, carry the laundry, um, <laughs> from the dryer, um, and kind of transfer it to the, from the washer to the dryer because, I, I can't lift heavy things at the moment. And, and he was still sitting on his computer, you know, working on a game that he was, that it was really important to him apparently at the time. And, and in the moment I just wanted to snap, you know, because he, you know, responded back to me when I asked him if he could go get the laundry, you know, I'm busy mom, you know, and I just, I almost said something like really you know, kind of strong or almost yelled. And I just had to walk away really fast because my own emotions were just through the roof in that second. And I walked into my room and then I just like took a deep breath because I'm like, okay, you know, he's just, you know, having his own moment where he doesn't feel like my thing is that important and his thing seems more important, right? And I just said, okay, I'm just still waiting, you know, for you to bring the laundry here so I can start folding it. Um, and then within like one minute, probably, you know, he he went and got it and came back and, you know, and just was like, okay, here you go. Sorry, mom. I was just like really in the middle of something. 
Um, you know, and that could have gone really differently. Like I could have yelled at him and said, Hey, I've already talked to you three times already, you know, and you know, how come you haven't answered me? And we could have had a whole argument about it, you know? Um, but luckily in the moment I was able to realize how high my emotions were, you know, with, with frustration at that point, um, that I just walked away and took a three deep breaths. And I would go so far as to say that those kind of moments in some ways help define our relationships with our teens because, you know, when we're like with every battle that we're able to avoid um, and with also practicing the praise and everything, um, you know, that we're actually creating an even more positive relationship, you know, because we've, you know, at the same time that we've called out like all the positive things, you know, about our child, you know, we've also um, avoided, you know, some of these, you know, heated little battles that were really about something that wasn't really that significant, you know, and that really in a different moment when neither of us were really frustrated or angry, we could have a normal conversation about and, you know, and they could still learn, you know, what's important. And I still think what we have to keep foremost in our minds is that kids are kids. They are developing. They're learning new skills every day. And I want to be the best teacher of that skill I can possibly be. So I want to model the skills I wanted to see repeated in my kids. And I think we have to constantly be strategic in our parenting and just understand that... um, Everything I'm doing, they are learning. So what do we want to teach our kids? Because they're learning. You know, we're not sitting in front of the classroom, but everyday life is teaching our kids something. And so what kind of mentor, what kind of teacher do I want to be? I think that's so important. Mm-hmm. And I wanted, you know, uh, when I talk to parents about the attitude that this part in plain talk, um, you know, in a few minutes ago, Deanne, you talked about, well, rolling the eyes, that's disrespectful, right? They talk about, um, they're like, in our culture, it's disrespectful when they roll their eyes, we would never do that. Um, and so there, I think some parents, you know, we struggle with, do we really want to ignore it? But I think the key is not in that moment, you know, not um, ignoring it at that moment, but bringing it up later on when everybody is calm and every, you know, they're not in the heat of the moment and talking about, huh, what was that all about? Um, uh, you know, when you rolled your eyes at me or stomped away, you know, are, is everything okay? Just checking in after, right? When everybody is in a good, um, balanced place. Yeah. When rational yeah. minds prevail, right? Uh-huh. I think that's uh-huh. the better time for conversations like this. But it's okay to say, you know, that hurt my feelings. Or Karen, when your son slammed the door on you, well, I don't think he slammed it, but he did shut it on you, which is not a welcoming experience. I think it's okay later to say, oh mm-hmm. my gosh, that hurt my feelings. Karen, right. I don't think we ever heard the end of the story. What did you do in that moment? <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> so... My feeling when he shut the door, I can remember it so because it will happen last week. I really wanted to go in there and open the door and tell him off. <laughs> but I realized I, I saw, that was my emotion, that was my immediate reaction. 
But then I realized he's shutting the door. He's never done that before. And I thought, okay, so I have to, it's my responsibility to take a step back here and just let, let it go. And yes, talk about it later. Thankfully, he came in to me and gave me a hug, told me he was sorry, and then was able to say the reason why I closed the door in you, mum, is because I was, I was so upset and I, I didn't want to say anything that would hurt you even more. And I thought, well, thank you. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for not <laughs> for not getting into an argument. But just remember, we, you know, and if that's what you have to do, but closing the door is kind of, on somebody's face, is kind of, it's, it's rude. So please don't do that to me again. Okay, mum. <laughs> that's beautiful. Because you could have caused a scene, right? Yes. You could have stopped yes. in. And, yeah. And, his, and the whole object was for him to get, to do his schoolwork and had I got and I always think about this had I got into an argument with him he wouldn't have been able to focus on his school on his schoolwork so it's it's getting that up you know what's what's your goal here but it does take a lot because it I think you said it earlier Marie going out around that emotional meter had I had a really really bad day or never had any space to think about it about where I was in that time he may have got a different response so I think it's always trying to hold on to and be aware of where your emotional meter is when you're communicating with your child right and just having that being mindful of checking yourself in even if it's just for a quick second of where am I at you know, and being, just being mindful about it because it does, it could impact our responses, right? Our response to when our kids give us that bad attitude or that bad behavior, it can impact the way we respond to our children. There's something I think about often when we think about attitudes, especially with my, with my nearly teenager, my preteen and listening to the parents that you know that we work with children have different attitudes from when we were younger and they have so much like they're like they have the internet they have much more bullying it feels like they have a lot they have a lot to um a lot more going on to navigate than what I did I feel that when we were younger and like you were saying, like, if I rolled my eyes to my mum or my dad, I would get into trouble for that. So, you know, and that, that would have been it because I'm not, well, I'm kind of old, but not that old. It's like children should be seen and not heard type thing. I was probably coming out of that era. Whereas now, well, we want our children to have voices and to be heard. And if that's what we want, we have to also accept that the attitude might not be that great either sometimes. So we have to accept some of that. Accept it, but also help them to mold and shape it and yes. teaching mm-hmm. respectful ways. Because we're not trying to, um, you know, stomp on their emotions or quote their emotions. We want that expressed. But we're teaching them constantly on how you can express those very same emotions in a very respectful manner. Yeah. Let's talk about I. So the I in the plain talk skills um, stands for initiate conversation. So 
what this brings up is kind of the example that I mentioned earlier, you know, that the older our kids get, the more teenagers they become, uh, the more, you know, their brains naturally want to connect more with their peers and, and people their age. And so, um, they may not be super interested in talking to mom or dad or, you know, their, their parent, um, about, you know, everything that's going on with their life. They may naturally, you know, not just share as much, you know, they may feel like they have more privacy. Um, and, and so it really, as in our role as parent, it really falls on us to keep trying and to not give up and to keep initiating conversation in whatever way that we can. Um, and this doesn't mean, you know, only talking about things that we care about, because then our kids are never going to want to talk to us, right? It means that we really have to pay attention even to what their interests are, you know, you know, what things call their attention, you know, what, what do they like to talk about? Um, you know, maybe it has to do with, you know, the latest things on TikTok. Uh, maybe it has to do with the video games they like, um, the new VR headset uh, that my son has that he's trying to learn how to do mods on and, and um learning a lot lately about computers and mods and all these things that I never had a clue about. And, and a lot of these things are, you know, are the kinds of things that maybe if a random person, you know, was starting to talk to us about, we might not have any interest at all in it, but these are our kids. And so we really have to strive to find a way, you know, to care about it because it's what they care about. Um, you know, so as we're having these conversations and it sometimes it's about really silly things. Sometimes it's about funny stuff, you know, things that we saw, you know, in the, on a, on a movie or in, you know, in the news or whatever, um, or on TikTok. And, but by having these conversations, you know, it's, it's a way, it's an in with our teens to eventually have some conversations about health, about safety, about their dreams, you know, their expectations about, you know, what they want for the future, their goals, you know, ultimately, um, you know, it can lead to teaching opportunities, you know, as, you know, as we're watching, you know, a movie together and, you know, there's topics about, you know, relationships or things, you know, that, that might be an in, you know, to talk about, um, you know, safety or healthy relationships. So, and, you know, one of the keys to this, I guess I would say, is expect to be rejected. Maybe mm-hmm. a lot of the time for some things, especially, <laughs> you know, because, you know, for every 10 times maybe that we try to start having a conversation, they might just have a one word answer and not be interested at that moment, you know, or maybe they're just not in the right mood, um, you know, but we just keep trying at other times, you know, and maybe you know, pay attention, you know, to, you know, their facial expressions and their body language and, um, and start to, you know, notice like, oh, maybe this is a good time to try to, you know, initiate a conversation and, you know, try a different topic. Maybe they'll be interested in this topic more than, you know, the last one that I tried. Yeah. So my, my son is really into basketball and yet, so that that's I I go that's my go to all the time. So if I hear somebody's done a broke a record, 
some basketball player. I, I just remember that. And then that's what he looks on TikTok. That's what he looks on YouTube. That He is his stats. He knows everything about basketball and about every single player. So I can get into a conversation. I'm lost, but I still hold my, I hold it. And I remember it because I, I have to remember it for the next conversation. But then what happens is through that, because he wants to be a basketball player. So then we start talking about backup situations and what universities he wants to go to and what colleges he wants to go to and then talking about careers and what kind of careers so from just me just saying oh I heard somebody got three pointer last night then he I can have a whole conversation with him in regards to what college he wants to go to is he still interested in basketball what he learned and learned in his basketball and it's you know it's it is, so it isn't just initiating if you can just grab one. But there are other times I will, that I have to keep trying or I get a yes or a no answer. So that definitely does happen. But because I know that's what he likes, I can get a whole conversation out of just saying one thing. So that's really I awesome. like that you brought that, that up, Karen, about you made it a point to see what he's interested in. Um, and because it does, those are some certain conversation starters and um, it may work, it may not work, but you're still continuing to try. And whether it's, oh, did you hear about, um, um, did you see that new TikTok that was on? Um, this is during like the inauguration and it just starts a conversation that, um, and it just, or I'll ask them like, what's the, the latest TikTok or what's the uh, latest thing you've seen on YouTube? Just asking those questions or just to share um, my oldest, my not my oldest, my middle son, he's into um, graphic design and he's into art. And so I'm always upstairs in his room like, so what are you working on in the computer? You know, what's your latest project? Just looking at things that they're interested in, just asking, inquiring about it. And it just starts to have that conversation. And it shows them that you are paying attention and that you are interested in them. Right. And I think also, even though we're not talking about TikTok, but, but I ask, by asking, this is what I'm picking up anyway, that by asking, oh, what's the latest on TikTok? Or, you know, what are people saying about the inauguration? Or what are people saying about the news topics? You, you get information from what they've been watching and they can ask you questions. And I think then it becomes, and I've just realized this, I think then it becomes an opportunity to make sure that they have good information. Because some of this stuff on TikTok is not good information. Not good. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then he'll come back and ask me questions. So why is so-and-so, so -so, why are people saying this about this person? So it can create a whole another whole conversation and help them develop, I guess, critical thinking skills because <laughs> right. that's the kind of conversation that we're having. But that, again, is only by asking, initiating that conversation mm -hmm. by saying, oh, so what's the latest on TikTok? What are people saying about this? And then you can take that to all different depths. Mm -hmm. So I really like that. Yeah, and it really opens the door for them too to feel like, okay, you know, like I can come and ask my mom about things that I saw on TikTok, how to respond to these things. Um, I think about, you know, like even just in the classroom or youth that I've worked with, them feeling 
able to like, you know, just reach out to me and be like, hey, can I talk to you about finding a therapist? Or like my, my, you know, friend's son, I think she might have been like traveling or something at the time. And he was in high school and he texted me and he's like, hey, which pan should I use when I'm trying to cook this thing? And I was (laughs) like, oh, my gosh, like that's like I, I so appreciate that, you know. That's cool. I can be a person for that young person to ask these questions to, all because I try to make an effort to just initiate conversation and show that I care. That's true. So the I could be, it is initiate in plain talk, but it certainly can be interest, that you show an interest in them, that you show an interest in what they're doing, um, and that there's just a genuine care about that. Let's talk... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say that ties back to listen, you know, active listening also, because, you know, we really have to kind of capitalize on, you know, the moments that that our teens really want to talk to us about something. And so when they start to tell us about, you know, something that they're really excited about or really into, um, then it's a time for us to like stop everything and pay attention and listen and practice active listening and have that great conversation with them in that moment. Because if we let the moment go by and, you know, are just like, oh, okay, yeah, great. That's great that you like that, you know, and then don't follow up on it. They're not going to want to keep trying to talk to us about those things Mm -hmm. at all. Um, So initiating the conversations, it's almost also, you know, um, you know, showing an interest and and taking advantage of those, of any moments, moments, you know, that they, that they feel like talking with us. Let's talk about the N in plain talk. Marie, what is N? The N in plain talk is negotiating. You know, um, sometimes our inclination is to say no, right? If our kids are asking us something, um, uh, if our kids are asking us to do something or to go somewhere or if they could get, you know, V-Bucks or Microsoft points or if they could go hang out with their friends, especially during this pandemic, sometimes, you know, in our inclination is to say no versus without even talking about it. So the negotiate would be, you know, rather than saying no, um, but it's negotiating with them. Uh, so with negotiating, um whether it be when they ask us questions to do something or um, when, for instance, if they were supposed to do a chore and they didn't do it and they want to go to a friend's house and part of that condition is to, they had to do that chore. Instead of saying no, it's negotiating with them and talking to them, okay, if you want to go to your friend's house tonight, you know, and but you didn't do the garbage, you didn't clean your room, um, so how about we compromise? How about we do, the, you know, you do part of this and tomorrow, as soon as you come back from your friend's house, you finish the rest, right? Um, cause I think sometimes we're so quick to punish or quick to make, give a consequence, um, but versus, um, allowing them some freedom to choose and to make choices and to make, um, because, you know, they're kids, they're going to be, they're going to think they're going to be able to do all their chores in one day, but re, or all their homework in one day. And knowing that in order for them to go to a friend's house or in the order for them to play a video game, they have to complete their homework. So they 
kids are kids and they'll procrastinate. They'll wait to the very last minute. And, but instead of saying no, but more of like, okay, help them problem solve. You know, okay, you know, how about you do this homework and this homework and this homework and you could play for 30 minutes and then go back to it, right? Um, and it just helps them, like, again, with, with for that, like, time management, being able to budget their time, you know, knowing that they have to do get all of this done if they want to have some fun, if they want to play, if they want to play video games or go to a friend's house. Um, and it helps them... Um, in, in, in allowing our kids to negotiate or negotiate consequences, chores or whatever, it also allows them to make good decisions. Um, um, it, pride, it provides them opportunities for success. Because, you know, when you negotiate, um, even if they say, you know, like, no, you can't go because you didn't do that, you know, some kids, you know, you know the response will be fine. I'm not going to do anything then this weekend. Right. But when you give them something to look forward to, like, okay, you know, and it teaches them that also, you know, I mean, my 18 year old, um, he does that. This is he, we do a lot of negotiations as he's gotten older, right? Because we don't also want missed opportunity. You know, he's, he's a teenager. He's going to go away and missing different opportunities, but at the same time, not saying no. But what he's learned, though, through, the, okay, if I do this and this and this, mm -hmm. mom will, you know, so it's helping him also figure out what he needs to do before um, right. uh, before he can go out and hang out with, go climbing or go snowboarding, right? Um, it gives him, you know, something to like, okay, this is what I need to do. And so he expects that. He knows that, okay, if I do this and this, mom and dad are going to let me do this, yeah. right? So it teaches them um to do some of the expectations that we that we expect of him. Yeah. I have a son exactly like that, Marie. If he wants to do something, and I say to him, absolutely, but this, these are your chores or this is your homework piece, and the choice is yours. So I'm not saying you can't go, <laughs> but, you know, it's up to you whether you can what you can get done, you know. And if I see him putting an effort and I will say, okay, I'll do that chore for you or you can do that whole piece of homework then another time. But if I see him doing an effort, putting in an effort, <laughs> I can negotiate mm -hmm. that with him better. <laughs> and I would also add that, you know, the negotiation piece has a lot to do with us giving our kids a platform, you know, to share their opinions, to share their thoughts, you know, and their, and their strategies, you know, and to, to tell us their ideas. I mean, sometimes they might be asking, you know, to do something, um, that maybe we don't think would work at all, you know, because in our adult brain, we haven't thought about that before and we haven't, you know, figured out that, that there might be, you know, a creative alternative, you know, for them to, to get all their homework done and still have time, you know, to, to do whatever it was that they wanted to do. Um, and when we do give space, you know, for that negotiation and don't immediately, you know, jump to a no, then they feel, you know, that, you know, when they feel like, well, maybe I don't agree with, you know, what, you know, my parents, 
you know, are, are asking me to do or they feel comfortable coming to us and saying, well, what about this? You know, I have a different idea or what do you think about this? And it doesn't mean that we're always going to take their own idea, right? It might not be the best idea, you know, or maybe it doesn't work for this particular situation. Um, but at least they had an opportunity to share their opinion and to, to talk through it and to, to maybe even as they're talking through it to understand and realize themselves why it wouldn't really work this time, you know, um, and then that helps them, you know, adjust kind of their, their strategic thinking, you know, and, and how they um, problem solve. And, and I think, plan. I think it's also important with the negotiation instead of saying no, like, for instance, you know, that there's going to be a party happening. Um, and there might be some kids that might not be a good influence, right? Instead of saying no, it's, you know, I, I also think of it as having that conversation goes back to initiate and listening, right? Um, having that conversation with your child of, you know, um, what about that party? Um, and using it as a teaching opportunity to talk about different values or different things that like drinking and alcohol or whatever it may be that teenage parties have, right? But, um, but it's also instead of saying no and not using that as a vehicle to have those important conversations, but more, um, but using it to talk about those important, um, teenage adolescent life that, kids have, right, of um, the different issues that come up when they are teenagers. So I think, in, you know, it's just another way to have that vehicle of having those important conversations, too. I think about when I was in sixth grade and I wanted to go see Dashboard Confessional. Um, they came to Hawaii and I wanted to go to the show. <laughs> My parents were like, absolutely not. You're in sixth grade. I snuck out and went to the show anyway because they didn't give me a reason why they said no. Um, and then I came home and they found out and they're like, you're grounded. And I was like, cool, it was worth it. Um, <laughs> and I think about like, you know, we, we all could have handled that very differently, but it could have been a teaching moment about like, we, we get that you want to go to these shows, but... How can mm -hmm. we make it safer or how can mm -hmm. we make sure that, you know, it's yeah. it, we're, we all feel okay with this rather than me taking things into my own hands? Um. <laughs> right. Because we do. Um, it, and I think it was two years ago, uh, my son wanted to watch this concert down in Seattle and he was going to go with three other friends. It's a John Bellion concert anyways. I don't know. Um, and my first instinct in my, my husband and my first instinct during summer, he's going to be a junior. And I'm like, uh, my first thought was like, no, you know, he's going to be in Seattle. He doesn't, you know, there's so many things in going on in Seattle. I don't want to be around that. But, you know, we talked about it. We negotiated. We, we talked about safety. We talked about his responsibility. We talked about trust. Um, he eventually, he did go with his three other friends, but, um, but we got to that point where I felt okay and I felt good and confident that he, um, he's going to go and I trusted him. But it was, again, my first inclination was no, but we used it to talk about what can go on in Seattle and about safety and, um, yeah. And I think Vanessa, you bring up a really good point that, as much as we want to protect our kids from mm -hmm. the world, you know, 
they're growing and Mm -hmm. eventually they're going to be adults and they're going to need to know how to interact in the world in a hopefully safest way possible. And if we just, you know, build a wall around them and don't let them do everything, you know, that we possibly, you know, think, you know, could be a safety problem for them. Um, And we say no to everything that they possibly could ask for instead of having a conversation, you know, where they can share their thoughts and feelings about it and their reasonings why they want to do something. Um, And then we can share our reasons, right? We can also, you know, like your parents didn't tell you why. They just said no, period. That's Mm -hmm. it because I said (laughs) so, right? And when we have the opportunity to also share our reasons, um, you know, then then that's Mm -hmm. a learning opportunity for our kids, right? And they feel more respected, you know, that we took the time to kind of you know, give them information about why we're taking a certain stance or why we're making a certain decision. And, you know, oftentimes after these conversations and these negotiations, our final answer might still be no. And that's okay, but that's going to be a a no that's received in such a different way by our teens than if we never had that conversation at all and we just right off the bat said, no way, nope, Mm -hmm. not going to happen, right? Because we didn't hear from them any of their thoughts, and they didn't hear from us any of our reasonings. It's interesting. It's funny because um, in negotiating, um, this just happened just not too long ago where my girlfriend, we were all talking and we're talking about uh, sneaking out, right? When we were teenagers and going out and a friend of mine was saying, well, my parents, I just stopped asking because they always said no. So I started sneaking out now, right? So she felt that she there was no negotiation. So there she was sneaking out of the house back in the 80s, 70s, 80s, or 80s, gosh, don't, no, not 70s, <laughs> 80s. You know, sneaking out because she, her parents never allowed her, um, they thought that they were protecting her and sheltering her. So she um, didn't even bother asking anymore. And we want to come to a place where our kids could still always continue to talk to us and ask us, right? Um, and that's that conversation and that's that where they feel safe to, you know what, I'm just going to ask my mom. She may say no, but at least I asked and we could talk about it. Yeah. And in that <laughs> instance, the kid is taking back their own power, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and taking away the power from the parent. Here are three tangible takeaways that you can try out today to be a better communicator with a teen or adult in your life. Takeaway number one, remember your role in the relationship. As a parent, you are the adult in the situation. So with this, with this piece, you know, this is really about, you know, as much as we are all humans and we all have our own emotions and our own reactions Um, In the relationship between parent and child or parent and teen, we really are the parents. So we really do have, you know, the responsibility um, to model, you know, the the kinds of, um, you know, communication and the ways that we want our teen or children to um, to interact with us. Right. The way that we kind of show up for them is is ultimately how they're going to be able to show up for us. Um, And sometimes that means practicing humility, you know, being willing to recognize when we made a mistake, you know, being willing to recognize when 
you know, maybe we let our strong emotions in the moment of frustration get the best of us. And we responded, you know, with, you know, a raised voice or yelling or, you know, criticizing, you know, for no real good reason. Um, you know, and the more that we're able to kind of revisit some of those, um, those moments, you know, it shows our child or our teen, you know, that, that they, um, you know, that, that we all are learning all the time and, and that when we do make a mistake, it's okay, you know, to -hmm. come back and, and, and revisit that, you know, I've seen that happen, you know, with my kids a lot, you know, that, um, Mm -hmm. You know, I'll revisit a moment and say, gosh, you know, I, I was really frustrated when I said that. So I'm sorry, you know, because I, I, I didn't really want to say things, you know, in, in such a harsh way. Um, and then they'll come back and apologize too and say, well, yeah, I was, you know, I wasn't really paying attention and, you know, I'm sorry. Um, and, you know, so. And I want, and you're not always going to get it right. You're always not going to get it right the first time. And it doesn't mean you're a lesser parent. It doesn't mean that you're not a good enough parent. We all make mistakes. And um, I don't know how many times I walk away from a conversation with my son, you know, my kids, and I'm like, shoot, I screwed that up. Or, gosh, you know, I, I, I wish I didn't say that. Or, But being able to go back, right? And And I like it, Erin, about apologizing. And again, we're modeling it for them because eventually they will come back to us when they recognize, gosh, I didn't handle, um, um, I didn't handle it correctly, right? Or I handle it right. And so them being able to come back to us. um, I think it's beautiful when they're able to. Takeaway number two, be mindful of how you're feeling and monitor your figurative emotional meter. When we say being mindful of our emotional meter is just taking that moment to be mindful of where we are at, where are we at in the present time, right? Because that could impact how we respond to our kids. That could impact how we, um, our interaction with our children, whether we're having a bad day at work or just not have, just not feeling it. You know, if we're mindful of where we're at and when our kids are giving us bad behavior or give our kids are trying to talk to us, you know, it impacts how we um, communicate or how we interact um, in that moment in time. Right. Um, A good way of practicing mindfulness and awareness is like, is just taking a second because it just takes a second and having your mind's eye just scan your body mm-hmm. inside and what's going on for you um, and how you're going to respond. And I think that does go back to our relationship. Be mindful of our role in that relationship as well. So that, mm-hmm. it, because it does go back to picking and choo- choosing and picking your battles. Is that the right phrase? Picking and choosing, choosing and picking your battles. Mm-hmm. You know, um, are you going to be getting into a fight with your 14-year-old, 15-year-old? Or are you going Mm -hmm. to be able to Mm -hmm. stand, you know, hold on to your own emotions, be mindful, okay, that is hurt, I'm just going to let that deflect off me at the moment, we'll talk about it later. Um, 
but I'm going to keep this relationship intact. I'm going to keep, because it's the young person, your son or daughter, they're the ones that are really struggling sometimes in, in all of this. And we need to be able to hold their emotions. Right. Right. You know, um, and we're going to have our emotions on an up and down scale. <laughs> um, and I think, Marie, you do this often in your... I do this a lot with my parents. And big, um, and it goes back to what I was saying earlier about how how we are at that present moment, again, will could impact our interaction with our children. And it could impact, like, for instance, we, uh, you know, whether, regardless of where we're at emotionally, we could be having a very good day, right? Um, could it be having a very good day, got good news at work, you know, uh, saved a lot in grocery bill when you went to the grocery store. So really excited, right? <laughs> and it's a three-day weekend. And then your child, you know, and then you come home and your son is crying because, you know, he has so much homework. It's a three-day weekend, but he has so many projects to do. And so you're up here with, you know, you're up here with like, an, uh, you know, very happy and very excited, but he's down here. So paying attention to that, right, also, and sitting with him in that moment and paying attention to Okay. Yeah, you know, you do have a lot of homework. It's three day. So just being present with him. So being aware and being um, mindful of where your child is at, and where you are at in your emotional meter. And going again, you like, you're the parent, you're the adult. So going down to their where they're at is so key. Yeah. Um, and I, the other thing is, I think it's okay to celebrate the positive interactions as well. Because yeah. if you are, if you had a nice time shopping or if you had a nice time getting your nails done, if it's, you know, with your teenager or if you had a nice time just, just being with your, being around your teenager and letting them know that. And maybe you've had a really difficult conversation with them and it worked out beautifully. And mm -hmm. to celebrate that and feel good about that for yourself even, because that being a parent is a wonderful, wonderful gift. And, yeah. and it's to be enjoyed. And sometimes when we hear about being a parent to a teenager, sometimes we, we can get, we can focus on the negatives of that. Oh, gee, I get all the time. Oh, you're in for a hard time. <laughs> now there are negatives to it. Don't get me wrong. I don't even <laughs> see it as negatives. I see me growing as a person. That right. I always turn it around and look at, right, it's about me. Mm -hmm. What is right. about me? It's not about him because he's just developing and I am ha having to help him to mold mm -hmm. or mold him into a, into a good loving person. <laughs> Takeaway number three, remember to be gracious with both yourself and your kids. It's a learning process and no one is perfect. So don't give up. Because I think some, you know, we are as parents our worst critic, you know, we tend to how our children, their behavior or who they are. We tend to make it reflect who we are right? Or um, their attitude and we go, gosh, I'm such a bad parent. Right. But I think it's giving ourselves grace that um, if we continue, just continue to keep trying, you know, um, don't give up. 
you know, you're, you know, this, all the strategies of plain talk, you, it's not gonna, it's not an, it's not magic. It's not overnight. It's not gonna be, that you're not gonna be able to see the changes just quickly overnight or within the net, that day. It takes time. So even if you like, for instance, try to initiate that conversation, they may not want to talk to you for that moment, but don't give up if you just keep trying, right? And again, it's not, um, it's really just giving yourself that grace. And giving and giving your children that grace because they are still kids, yeah. and they're worth it. They're worth it for mm-hmm. you not to give up. Absolutely, Just because they're your children, but also mm-hmm. because of your relationship mm-hmm. as well. Your relationship with your child's worth it because it's lifelong. It's a lifelong mm-hmm. relationship. If we have these strong bonds now and we're not giving up, imagine when they're. Mm-hmm. When, they, when they become adults and the relationship and the memories that you are creating for them is, is going to be positive memories. I had a mm-hmm. wonderful, loving childhood growing right. up. And that's, that, that's what we want. Yeah. Again, it's building that relationship for tomorrow, right? Building that bond for tomorrow. Whatever tomorrow is, whether it's 40 years from now. And that's what's so key. Because they will always be your kids. Building Resilience is a project of King County Sexual Assault Resource Center, or KSARC, which is located in Renton, Washington. KSARC works to provide direct services to all victims and survivors of sexual assault in King County, Washington. Visit our website at kcsarc.org and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at kcsarc. Or send us an email at education at kcsarc.org. If you've experienced sexual assault or abuse, know that you are not alone. There are lots of resources to support you in your healing process. Programs similar to KSARC exist around the country. Visit the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, or RAIN, at rainn.org to find a community sexual assault program near you. Thank you to Marie Peretta, Karen Cope, Aaron Esteban, and Deanne Yamamoto for content in this episode. Dante Ariaga and Ashley Bessie for tech support, and a special thanks to our super producer, Logan Bessie, on editing, consulting, and mastering the audio, and for the immense support in making this project possible.